0: Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California.
1: As you know, our world is broken severely. It's a fallen world. Three things happened this past week that are very, very concerning. Number one, the undeserved killing of George Floyd at the hands of a police officer. Secondly, violent riots, burning down and looting people's businesses. And I remember as a kid being taught that two wrongs don't make a right. And the third thing might have slipped under the radar, but it was a 5-4 ruling by the Supreme Court against the church and for the state of California. A church in San Diego had sued the state of California for imposing a hundred person limit to their church services, and the Supreme Court ruled against the church. So let me see if I got this straight. The church can't have more than a hundred people worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, but unruly mobs and hundreds can congregate with no social distancing for the purpose of committing violent criminal acts. Our world is upside down, ladies and gentlemen. And the Bible speaks of this. So this would be a great time for a superhero to enter the scene and save us all. So if you had to place bets, who would you place your bet on? Superman? Iron Man? Uh, You know who I choose to place my bet on? The God-man. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the greatest superhero to ever live. By his death and resurrection, he conquered sin and death, and no one else could have ever done this. And this is the greatest asset that Jesus Christ has as a superhero, is the ability to give us his powers. He does this by giving us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, sadly, most believers either do not know or they don't implement the superpower that God has given us through Jesus Christ. But know this, Jesus told us ahead of time in John chapter 14, where he said, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So he's saying, when I go to the Father, I'm going to send my power, my superpower, the Holy Spirit into your life. Now, the question is, are you living in that power? What's your kryptonite? Is it fear, insecurity, pride, unbelief? See, God's new normal will include a new power. The power already exists, but he has us in a place where we know that we can't go through this life any longer without relying on the superpower That we have in our life, which is the Holy Spirit. Because if you're trying to live outside of that power, you're gonna get burnt out, disappointed, and depressed. So I encourage you today, as we go through this part three of a new normal, a new power, that you'll realize that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the power. The question is, are you using the power? The early church exhibited this power. Peter and John. It says in Acts 4-7, Peter and John were brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name do you do this? Well, we know the power is in the name of Jesus Christ. The power is in his spirit. A new normal will include, first of all, a new power to heal. There's lots of people who need healing. The book of Acts documents a tremendous amount of miraculous healings. Now, the question is, does God still heal today? Does He still do miracles? Yes, He does. In fact, even if someone is healed by a medical doctor, it's still an aspect of God's superpower and grace because He's the one that's given those people the ability to do what they do. There are many miracles happening amidst this COVID 19 virus. One that I read. I want to share with you this Pastor Lee McClelland from Belfast. He was in the hospital. He contracted COVID-19. He was in critical condition. And he wrote about this, and the title of it is called God Sent a Cleaner. He says, I remember one night in the hospital when I honestly didn't know whether I would make it or not. I thought I was moments away from ending up on a ventilator. The next day, I had a night from hell. I'm in an isolation ward, and no one, friends or family, can't get in. All of a sudden, this cleaner came in. He asked me how I was and talked to me about hanging in there. He said that he was a missionary in Nigeria for 14 years, and God had saved many souls through his ministry, and God had used him over the years to reach people, and here he is. A cleaner in the hospital encouraging me. He says when God needs to reach you, he knows exactly who's the right person. No one else could get in, but God sent a cleaner. And as he stood at the door to leave, he said, Son, can I pray for you? I said, Absolutely. And he began to pray at the door and asked the Holy Spirit to visit me and heal my body and touch my lungs. He pleaded with God Almighty to spare my life and continue to use me. And then he left. The pastor goes on to say, I want to encourage you today that God knows what you have need of. God sent a cleaner to reach me, and he'll send whatever he needs to reach you. And he goes on, for those who are saved, keep your eyes on Jesus. For you that do not know Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to lift up your eyes and look to heaven, and with a cry from your heart say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner and go home justified, just as if you had never sinned. God knows what you need. God still does miracles, and the Bible documents many miracles. The Old Testament is full of miracles. God would use prophets that would cry out to Yahweh, the Lord, who would hear their prayer and do a miracle. In fact, God's name is associated with miracles. Yahweh, Yehovah, Yehovah, Yehovah Yireh, which is the Lord is my provider. Yehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. And Jesus Christ, who's the perfect image of God, is Yeshua, the Lord who saves me. Now the word heal and save in Greek is the same word. It's sotso. They're interchangeable. Because in order to be saved, you gotta be healed and vice versa. Spiritual healing is the most important healing anyone needs. That's why Isaiah the prophet wrote about Jesus Christ, but he was pierced for transgressions. He was crushed for iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are what? Healed. God still heals and saves today, and the apostles of Jesus Christ continued as we are supposed to. The ministry of Jesus healing. The Bible tells us that people would line up, hoping to even have Peter's shadow fall upon them. In Acts 5.15, it says, People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might even fall on them as he passed by. See, in Acts chapter 1 and in Luke 24, Jesus tells his apostles, Hey, to wait in Jerusalem. Because the promised Holy Spirit would come upon you and give you the power to witness to the entire world. And God always keeps his promises. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 3. This is a story of the healing of the beggar. And starting in verse 1, says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, which is three o'clock, which is the hour of prayer. A man who had been lame or unable to walk, from his mother's womb or from birth, was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, in order to get alms or money and food. He was a beggar. In verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him. So even though Peter just preached an incredible sermon where 3,000 people got saved in one day, he's not too prideful to miss an opportunity. And he noticed this man. And Peter said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I don't possess silver. I don't have gold. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And he picked him up by the right hand and immediately that beggar feet and ankles were healed and with a leap he stood up and he began praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God and they took notice of him because he was the same guy who would sit there crippled at the gate waiting for help. God still does this today. Now, we don't know if the guy got saved, but let me tell you something. If you're saved, you've experienced the most powerful healing on the planet. But God still does physical healing. Spiritual healing is what's most important. Later, as we read through there, Peter and John were arrested for causing a disturbance. And I love how the people that arrested him and the instigators, the people that were against the church. I love how they referred to Peter and John in Acts 17.6, and they're referring to all the apostles. They said, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Let me tell you something. I want to be counted as one of those men that turned the world upside down, because when it's turned upside down, it's right side up. John and Peter were thrown into jail in Acts 4, but Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and boldly stated this truth. Read it with me in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which we must be saved. The only person that can save you is Jesus Christ, and His name is who He is, the one who saved, the Lord who saves. Salvation and healing go hand in hand. Physical healings are incredible miracles, but unless someone receives the spiritual healing of Jesus Christ, one will remain crippled spiritually. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. My dad, who was saved later in his life, in his 50s, I prayed with my dad to receive Christ. Little did we know that the next 10, 15 years were going to be the hardest years of his life. He experienced a lot of physical difficulty, which led to the amputation of his leg below the knee. He had asked us as his family to come pray for him because he had gotten the bad news that they were going to have to amputate above the knee, which would hinder his ability to use a prosthetic leg. So he gathered us in the hospital before surgery. He said, please pray for me. I believe God. Can heal me, and we all agreed that God can heal you, Dad, if He wants. And we closed our eyes and we prayed. All of a sudden, his leg moved, and he looked at me. He said, "Son, did you touch my leg?" I said, "No," but I was praying that God would touch your leg. And after we're done praying, they wheeled him into the surgery. About fifteen minutes later, the doctor came out in his street clothes and said, "I don't know how to explain this. That's not the same leg we looked at yesterday. His leg is totally healed. We don't have to do the surgery." It was documented. He was known as the miracle man. Now he passed away a few years later, but why did God do that? Because he wanted to. God does whatever he wants to do. And in this situation, God chose to do this because he wants to be glorified. And to this day, me telling you as a witness is him being glorified. God still does miracles, but the greatest miracle for my dad, he got saved. He's in heaven, perfect with Christ. That's what we need. People are healed by the preaching of God's word. Psalm 107 20 says, He sent out His word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for rescuing me from the grave. Next, a new normal will include a new power to preach. The early chapter of Acts is mainly focused on the ministry of Peter. Now, Peter, if you remember, was the promised rock on which Jesus would build his church. In fact, Matthew 16, 18 says, Jesus speaks to Peter, says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and the word is Petros. And on this rock, Petra, I will build my church, Ecclesia, which we talked about last week, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, why are there two different forms of the word rock? Well, its words appears in the sentence. Petros is the nominative form. Petra is the dative form. But it is an interesting wordplay, right? You are Peter, Petros, and on this Petra, I will build my church. Now, there's a debate as to what Jesus means by on this rock, I will build my church. Is it Peter? Is it the rock Peter's confession? Is the rock Jesus? Now, if you go back and I encourage you to do this, and you read Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19, and you read it just as you would any other story in a book, it is contextually apparent that Jesus is saying something special directly to Peter about Peter. Now, sadly, because the Roman Catholic Church went to the extreme of saying that Peter was the first pope, and the following popes, as Peter was infallible, then the following popes are infallible, nobody's, Only Jesus, we're all fallible. But sadly, because of that, the evangelical church went to the other extreme to dismiss that Jesus was saying that Peter is the rock on which Jesus would build his church. But if you read Acts chapter 2, it's historically credible that Jesus was speaking of Peter because Peter preached the first sermon as a spirit filled power-filled believer, and 3,000 souls were saved that day, and the church was born. So it would make sense that Peter is the rock. His name Petros means rock. I love that. Now think about Peter. Was he some perfect person that did everything perfect? No. What's the point here? God uses and chooses broken, fallible people by which to do his work. Peter's wasn't any different than you or me, and God chose Peter to be the one, the rock on which to build his church. Now, remember Peter and John in the first part of Acts are always together. Do you remember that they were partners in the fishing business? So Jesus didn't only say to Peter, you're the rock, Peter, on which I'm going to build my church. He also said, Peter, I have a new purpose for you. What did he say? You're going to be a fisher of men. And in Acts chapter 3, we read of Peter's second sermon. This is the former fisherman preaching a powerful sermon in which he includes important Old Testament passages, just like I talked about last week. First, he quotes from Deuteronomy 18 in his sermon. Now, if you go there, it says this, the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. It's Moses speaking. And he's going to raise up a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, from Israel. And then Moses says, you will listen to him. So Moses is speaking prophetically of Jesus Christ. Peter also refers to Genesis chapter 22. Because right here in Acts 3.25, where Peter's sermon, it says, it is you. And he's speaking in Jerusalem. You who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant, which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So who is he speaking about to Abraham in Genesis, in your seed? Well, he's speaking about Israel, but specifically we find out in Galatians that it's about Jesus Christ. He's the seed. So this springboards into Peter's sermon from the healing. So if you go back to Acts chapter 3 and pick up in verse 11. So this is after the healing and the guy's praising God, and he leaps up, praise God, in verse 11, it says, while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he said to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety or holiness, we made him walk? Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when Pilate had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Wow, Peter's bold. But put to death the prince of life, Jesus, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses, and on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him perfect health in the presence of you all. But brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did, But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, and he's referring to Isaiah 53, he has thus fulfilled. And now verse 19 is very important. He says, therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the one appointed, the Christ appointed for you. If you want refreshment, then repent. Stop believing what you think is true and start believing what God says is true. Stop believing what they tell you on the TV and start believing what God says in his word. Once you're willing to do that, you will start to receive refreshment. You know what's sad? And I read this just recently. A lot of people These are believers, because of this pandemic, are disconnected from the church. And I sit here in my house every Sunday, preaching the word, hoping that somebody's hearing it. Because we can't be disconnected. We'll be the most depressed and hopeless people, but we can't be. We have a power, the Holy Spirit, but we need to connect to the church through His word. And then third, the new normal will include a new power to witness. This is the whole reason God saved you and left you on this earth. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, why when you're saved, can't you just go to heaven? In fact, I heard the SpaceX rocket was awesome, man. I watched that yesterday, the lift up and everything. Man, what a great time to leave earth. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be there, but God has us here. Why does he have us here? Because he wants us to be his witness. Just tell people what you saw. Tell people what Jesus did in your life. That's the important thing. That's why God left us here. We need to be more like Peter and John, that even in the midst of threats of imprisonment in Acts 4.20, they say this, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's a witness. I can't stop telling you about what Jesus did for me. I can't stop telling you about how Jesus saved my life. I can't stop telling you about how Jesus filled that emptiness in my heart. I can't stop telling you. And until the day I leave this earth, I don't want to stop telling you. That's refreshment. But it can't just be me. It's got to be all of us. Sadly, the church tends to shrink in fear rather than rise in faith. Now, do you think that the early church lived in a world much different than we are? I mean, we sit there and go, man, we're being uh, persecuted. We're being told that we can't meet. Let me tell you something. Imagine living in the Roman Empire under tyranny. Imagine having no First Amendment, no Bill of Rights, yet they witness boldly with power. Because here's the thing, the church never closes. The church is always open, no matter where we are. We cannot stop, and we should not stop talking about what Jesus has done for us, because people need Jesus more than anything else. The other part of it is this. We shouldn't be afraid of death. We shouldn't be afraid of a virus. Jesus touched people all the time. Peter, John touched people that were sick. If it's my time to go home, if it's your time to go home, hallelujah. But we cannot and should not stop telling people about Jesus and touching their life with the healing power of Jesus Christ. Did you know that Peter and John weren't theological scholars? Did you know this? They didn't get to go to a seminary. They were normal men. God chose to use. And because of this, people took more attention. I love this in Acts 4.13. These people were going, How the heck are they doing this? Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. You want the power to come out of your life and in your life and through your life, be with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Don't neglect Jesus. Spend time with Him. You want more power? Spend time with Jesus. You want more healing? Spend time with Jesus. You want more miracles? Spend time with Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Trust in His power. Trust in His name. In His spirit. Be with Jesus and his church, which is the expression of Jesus to the world. So what to expect when this is over? First of all, expect many healings and salvations. Expect many healings and salvations because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit who saves people and heals people lives in you. Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, I'll draw all people to me. So what will be different when you get out? Will you trust God to pray for someone? Will you trust God and his leading of his spirit to heal and touch someone? Will you trust God to help save someone? Will you be like Peter and notice the brokenness and say, I don't have a lot of money? But what I have is way worth way more than that. I have Jesus Christ and I want you to have him. Next, expect much repentance. Now, people think repentance is oh, I got to get my act together, I get my life together. No, it's realizing how messed up you are and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I need you. I've sinned. Forgive me. And as he said to the man who humbled himself and said, Lord, be merciful to me, that man went home justified. Don't be prideful. Be humble. Be repentant. And don't expect someone else to repent for your sins. And don't expect revival outside of you if one doesn't begin inside of you. Acts 3.19 Again, it says, Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And last, expect God to speak through you. Make me your voice, Lord, and expect Him to speak to you. Peter, John, and the others were just normal people like you and like me. The same God who used them wants to use you. He wants to speak through you. He wants to use your hands, your feet, your life. He wants to use your voice. And even in the midst of threats, we should not fear. We should not fear imprisonment, we should not fear death. We should trust God just as Peter and John in Acts 4:29 through 31 says, "Now Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness." While you stretch out your hand and heal. He's the one that heals. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's the power I'm talking about. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We have the power. Our superhero, the God man, Jesus Christ, has given us his same power. And he expects us to do even greater things than he did. But yet, Lord, sadly, we shrink in fear oftentimes or kryptonite, whatever that is insecurity, fear, unbelief. Lord, I pray that you would take those things away and that we would submit to the authority of your spirit and trust the power that lives inside of us, which is Jesus Christ, who lives in us by His spirit and not try to do things in our own strength, but to repent and to experience times of refreshment as you use
0: us for your glory. In Jesus name. Amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason, so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com.